Welcome to Catcher Media Presents podcast. I'm Julia Goldsmith and today we want to talk about the power of photographs to prompt and record memory. So we're looking really at working with an archive by a recognised photographer, but then also looking at more informal personal archives such as a family photograph album. So we've got today here, we've got Rick Goldsmith, who's creative director at Catch Media, and we've also got Jeff Broadway, who's joining us via the delights of Zoom from Tipton in the West Midlands. Jeff is the founder of the Living Memory Project, which was set up to record, archive and celebrate life stories and personal photography collections from across the black country. At Catcher Media, we've been working on the Herefordshire Live Through a Lens project, which was looking at the Derek Evans Studio photographic archive from the 1950s to the 1970s. So, Jeff, just tell us about what prompted you to work with family photographs. What was that idea about? Yeah, it's been a long, convoluted journey. So my background is a photographer and filmmaker and an artist. And one of the through lines through my practice is recording people's stories, inviting people to participate through their words. And that led me through the long and short of it to do a project in the black country. People, uh, Some people invited me to join a project midway through called Where's Our Spate Gone, which was all about the changes of dialect in the black country. And they asked me to come in as a consultant. The project was uh, uh, struggling a little bit. Um, So I took over, essentially. And on that project, we were recording people's stories. And what came up um, frequently as people told stories in relationship to to words and language was stories connected to place. And part of that was people would bring out their photographs. And it really struck me, actually. I thought, you know, there's so many amazing photographs. And the way people talked about their photographs in relationship to the project, I thought there's a bigger project in here somewhere, Um, especially in the context of how, you know, photography has changed so much. And we can talk about that a little bit um, down the line, if you like. And then, yeah, so that led me to think about we should build a project around talking to people specifically around their their collections, these really diverse, interesting collections people would wheel out. They're like little treasure troves, essentially. Great. Well, I mean, what do you, what, how do you think that compares with, say, the project that we've been doing, Rick, which is based on a single photographer's archive? It's a recognised photographer. It was his life's work. I think one of the things that always struck me about working with these photographs is it gave us an amazing inroad into these communities that previous to that we would have had no way of really speaking to so for instance like the show people that run the Mayfair and you know the farming community and even people that work in the cathedral we've done these sort of projects and it's just amazing how having this common artifact a photograph or two and it really helps if they're really lovely photographs Mm. um, all of a sudden you've got that you've got a, a commonality and that's great but you've also got this rich artifact to kind of explore together um, and and it creates a sort of bond almost well I wouldn't say almost immediately you have to do all the all the other work but it's just it's just a great way to just begin a conversation it is a fantastic way to begin a conversation I think. Do you find that Jeff and do you see the photograph as the starting point or do you see the photograph as the project really what's the the, the photograph is it has this it it plays different roles but absolutely one of them very much is it's a way in it's a way to open people up a little bit to talk about themselves and as you say it's 
a great starting point to thinking about where the commonalities are. So people, everyone can kind of recognise um, the meaning that's in a photograph, even if it's, it's very subjective. So I might have a photograph, I might take a photograph to somebody and I'll have my own interpretation of why I think it's important. And that might be shared to some degree, but somebody else has got their own reading and that's where that, that kind of commonality and difference takes off with how they there therefore talk about themselves and their stories, I think. And so when we're talking about people's own photographs, I have my own kind of sense of what fascinates me and what interests me aesthetically as well as, you know, kind of recognising the kind of the stereotype or the tropes that are in other... or the stylistics, you would say, about the way the photographs are made. But really, when people start talking about it from their perspective, that's when it really comes to life. And I think that's what's really interesting. I think that's the slight difference, I think, is um, there's a high sense of subjectivity in the family album, the photographs of the family album, because they've been made from a very private perspective where you're dealing with um, that archive, which is very much a professional eye. But nevertheless, it still comes back to there is a commonality with all images because there's a language around it, isn't there? Well, I mean, that's the amazing thing, isn't it? When you say well, there's one single photograph. I, I mean, I always had a, a favourite photograph of um, from the 1950s that Derek Evans had taken of um, the Mayfair. And I'd always looked at the, you know, the performers on stage and the people at the back of the stage. And I was chatting to this a, a woman once at one of our events and she was looking at all the audience. There's a huge audience and she was looking at their clothes. So people just key into you know and then there's the prices the prices of things and there's that there's the era and there's the site of where it happened it's just it's such a rich resource isn't it really and and as you say everyone's got a different way in to those single images really you know it's fascinating I mean I guess that's what I've sort of appreciated from working with this collection is because I think when we sometimes when we tell people about the story that we're doing which is about making these photographs accessible to people and collecting stories the first thing most people say is oh how do you track down the people in the photographs because the assumption is that the project is built around finding the people in that photograph and then interviewing those people but actually what we found, when we do find people in photographs, it's amazing and it can be really good. But what we found is some almost you, the people don't have, you don't have to recognise a family member or be somebody in that photograph. But the fact that it evokes a memory for you, or, you know, it could be about clothes saying, oh, I remember having a coat like that or my nan used to wear shoes like that or I remember when, you know, the... I used to sit in a hop crib, but it wasn't me in that hop crib in that photograph as a baby. But by seeing that from somebody else's archive, it can still prompt such rich stories, really. Mm. So I think that's kind of our our way of using the photographs. It's not necessarily directly that is me in that photograph, but it kind of can evoke those stories. Yeah, I just think that's really interesting because one of the things that we found through our exhibitions where you'd find that, you know, most people won't recognise... They might recognise the places, but they won't recognise the people, but they, people respond to it really strongly, more so than I thought, actually, I think, in the sense of the way, as you were saying, it becomes a catalyst for people talking about all sorts of things because people can identify with it and it becomes part of our, our shared past and our shared heritage, I think. And 
And it has to be remembered, isn't it? I mean, I don't know if you have this experience, Jeff, um, but in the in our um, recent podcast, we were talking about DIY oral history interviewing. And we said one of the, the first things you don't do is you don't just shove a recorder into someone's face, you know, and you might have a camera or you might have a microphone. There might be lights. There might, you know, there's this whole artifice that, that people, you know, you often get, you, you, you try to get that rapport. So you, you don't want that look in someone's face or a sound in someone's voice that's a bit rabbit in the headlights and the minute you get a photograph you've got this lovely kind of focus of attention as well haven't you to to say ignore all of this or ignore all of this ignore the oddness of the situation or you know let's just have some time with this image or these images let's just go on your journey let's let's listen let's let's just you know what do you think you know and it's 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 it sort of shuts down all the other all the other outside buzz, doesn't it, as well? There's so much distraction nowadays. Sometimes but, um, a little bit yeah. of detective work can be good, though, because we managed to track down a couple of people who were in a lovely series of photographs that Derek Evans did about um, the Wessington Court School for the Deaf, and there were these photographs of these very young children with hearing aids in and big battery packs under their knitted jumpers. They were just a gorgeous collection of photographs. And because Derek was a great archivist himself and he'd kept lots of press cuttings of where his images had appeared. So we were able to look through those wonderful old scrapbook and found out that this guy, um, Vaughan Jenkins, was actually teaching sign language down in Port Talbot. We got hold of him and then we managed to actually go down there and interview him. And not only him, but his friend who had also appeared in the photograph alongside him. And they were still really good friends and both lived in Port Talbot and both still communicating through sign language, which apparently they hadn't been allowed to do in in the school. So it was just that in that instance was just really wonderful to be able to connect those two things up and to be able to go and get that interview from them. Very emotional story, though, wasn't it? Because they were I think at the time they were like three years old and they were just dropped off into this place outside of Hereford and and sort of left to it really these uh these deaf lads but it was it, it was so nice that they'd become friends and that that sort of friendship came across on camera as well so what would you what do you find people tend to want to talk about in their when they get their family photograph albums what are the the classic kind of themes that people tend to turn to to talk about really well that's such a good question I think it's always a delight and a journey of discovery because you don't you never know where the conversation is going to go. So the, the the way it works is we would have a and I'm sure much like yourselves, a kind of preliminary chat. We'll talk a little bit about um, the process, about the project, why we're doing it. And I'll be finding out a bit about themselves. And then we would ask them to choose a set of photographs because if they've got like a thousand photographs we can't talk about that many photographs so they have to uh, the invitation is to choose maybe 10 to 20 photographs which are representative and important to them for whatever reason and then we would do the conversation uh, conduct the conversation around them as like stepping stepping stones or departure points for the different things they want to talk about but as to what people talk about it's you never know it's really such a you know everyone's lives are in a way we recognize ourselves and other people's lives all the time but at the same time everyone's life is so individual 
both in the sense of how they talk about it, but also their experiences as well. And I think that's what um, is one of the real delights of the project. So people would talk about things to do. The common things would be around change, how things mm. are continually changed, and that be to do with you know people that they've met, loved, have now departed. Themes around work, yeah. people. Um, that would be for some people. Work was a, it's a big part of people's identity, isn't it? So that that will come into it, I think. Um, and sometimes, and more more than I thought actually as well, people used it as an opportunity to talk about things they'd never spoken about before. Um, so quite personal things, traumatic things on 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 a certain level. Um, so it became a kind of a, a like a testimony of their life, but all all things bared in a way. And that was quite a complicated process to manage that as well. So in terms of what the things that people were talking about, and that was quite surprising because it soon de a lot of the conversations soon departed from what you might call a you know a, a fairly standard reminisce situation to talking about you know direct experience and people's challenges and how they overcome that overcame those challenges as well and that was for me one of the most moving parts of, of doing this kind of work i think is how seriously people take that that process how people take take that chance probably their once in a lifetime opportunity really to really tell their story and they treat it with such seriousness um that it's a real honour to do it, I think. Yeah, I think that's what we were saying, is that people really value the opportunity, don't they, to tell their story and to be given the time and to be listened to. It can be because sometimes people don't have a reason or I'm saying excuse is the right word, but a, just a, a way to tell their story, really, do they? And sometimes I think, you know, within families and things, you can think, oh, oh we've heard that story so many times, <laughs> do you know what I mean? But for people, it's it's nice to be able to, to be recognised and to be valued and for their stories to be want to be listened to, really. I mean, this work we do has got a, um, a really great kind of history, isn't it, really? It's got quite a long history, you know, digital storytelling, for instance, with Dana Ashley and Joe Lambert, and um, also someone that's been in involved with our project Daniel Meadows my my goodness he's got a great great body of work there that touches on this whole tradition yeah I mean have you um had any kind of really unexpected stories or kind of events sort of coming out from this like any I don't know family reunited or anything I don't know really just you always get unexpected things don't you yeah each one I think has been so different I think that no, no families reunited in the stories themselves, but I think in the, of course, in the sense we're talking about the sharing of the stories, and what we've had quite a lot of is when people have been to our pop-up exhibitions, and or put it on social media to accompany exhibitions, and someone will pop up and say, "Oh, I recognise my gran." And, you know, she's long departed or whatever. And that person wasn't even... They were just incidental, actually, in the photograph. The story might have been somebody else's story. And so that will be, like, an interesting through line. Um, and we had a situation where we recorded somebody in a in a, um, a care home. And she told this fantastic story. Um, we got her permission. And we just... It was one of those ones where we just drop in and people would just share one photograph. So it wasn't, like, a big, in-depth... 
um, you know, a couple of hours sharing, and we did a few people. Um, we got permission, we shared the photograph, and then what happened from that is that their the niece happened to see it on Facebook and was a little bit... Um, I think there's that kind of ambivalence of because she was talking about her her right a childhood and, and quite difficult things in her childhood and her, her niece was a bit ambivalent in the sense of amazed to see her gran um, so yeah it's a granddaughter amazed to see her gran uh, but also the, her stories out in public like this and had we manipulated her and got her to you know to, to kind of share overly share stuff of the family in public and that that kind of led to a interesting conversation and all her family got involved and it got shared like hundreds and hundreds of times and had to handle that very carefully yeah. about you know had we um because you know people do talk about things which are important to them and if they've given their permission to share that and they've got all their faculties um it's about actually the family members who might be um not necessarily named, but have a you know they have a strong connection to that person. Want to know what's been going on, I suppose. Yeah, and I suppose everybody's got their own version of a story as well, haven't they? So it's all of those kind of it can be fairly tricky, can't it? What what happened in that situation? Did they were they happy in the end with it? Very happy with it, yeah, because we used that image and the story in exhibition, and it also went in the book as well, and then. Um, they got a copy of the book and yeah it was all it was all, all worked out fine i think i think it's just that you know it's a little bit like oh what's gran been up to now she's been like talking to the talking to the press or whatever it is an important part of the whole process isn't it you, you know people's emotions do flare a little bit we you know it's something to factor in i suppose is the way to think about it isn't it? even if someone's doing it at home with a family member and it's just for the immediate family you know it's there's going to be things stirred up a little bit isn't there really so yeah because memory is a an interesting thing really isn't it because everybody has their own version of a memory don't they so that's also can be quite challenging as well because we've had situations where we've put photographs up and people have said that's a relative of mine or that so and so and then we've had other people saying well no that you know and you, you, you some people recognise someone that they think might be a family member, but you can't, it's not necessarily that it is. I suppose that's the difficulty maybe, you know, when you're working with a personal family album, you know that that person is great uncle Ben. But if we're working with people picking images up from a photographic collection and sort of thinking, I think that might be my so-and-so, it can, sometimes people can sort of hang on to the fact that it is their relative but actually it's we found a name or something and it and it definitely isn't so it, those things can be quite difficult as well really one of the stories we recorded which turned into we actually did three visits in the end to try and piece it together because it the family wanted to use the story to get um from their mother who's um african-arabian so uh, first generation from jamaica and she was she's got dementia so uh, uh, her memory is all fragmented and it's it's shifting and they wanted to use it to help her to recall her stories and for them to tell the story of their family and it was really complicated uh, because it wasn't one-on-one -on -one for a start there was mm. multiple voices which i'm sure you know makes things very complicated uh, in terms <laughs> of trying to steer it through 
yeah. and it led off in all these different fantastic rabbit holes of their family some of them were still in jamaica some of them in london who were sending photographs and stories and memory and we tried to piece that together in in her voice with her being at the center of it and that was a huge learning curve and a huge amount of work as well so it become everyone was telling the story it wasn't just yeah. her telling the story and i'm trying to hold this together in a way which is <laughs> going to make sense um but a hugely interesting process as well because yeah as you say memory is such a uh, not just with with um herma who's um whose memory is obviously more uh, a, a, a challenge for her, but also with the family as well. They've all got their own perspectives, which were um, sometimes uh, at odds with each other, should we say. So, yeah. I mean, that brings up a whole other thing about photographs as well, doesn't it, really? Because there's a, a big thing, isn't there? Sometimes when you've had a photograph in in a family album for many years, sometimes you're not sure whether you remember the photograph or you remember the event. Is it it's something around there, isn't it? I mean, sometimes my daughter says to me, I feel like I really remember that day, but I don't know if I remember it because I just know the photograph so well. So it's very intriguing, that whole photograph and memory association, isn't it? Absolutely. And people would have grown up with these photographs, as, as you say, and uh, that's... One of the interesting things about the the family collection or the family album is that you know they would have been they often connect together several generations and been kept for often several decades sometimes longer uh, so people will recognize people they know about through story but never met but they know their photographs so they can talk about that person and they talk about themselves before they had a memory in the sense that they were babies and then growing up in it and uh, and so it continues and of course that's come to an end really because people don't keep family albums in that way but they would be the kind of holding they would in a way hold this this fluid set of stories in in one place for different families to talk about and share in a kind of ritualized way i think as yeah. well and that's what's shifted i think with you know with with social media and and technology you know it's not all bad of course but i think some of the things that's been lost and one of the reasons why we did the project was to highlight and talk about you know the role that the family album played in narrating people's lives or helping to tell a story of people's lives and just why story is so important and why our stories are so important to connect us to each other and make sense of our lives as well. Well this is one of the things that was that really struck me when we were handling these kind of 60 70 year old prints that looked amazing. I was thinking if these were digital, one, would they be printed out in the first place? And two, if they had been, 97% of prints by now would have just completely vanished, really, uh, you know, if they you know, if they had been physical artefacts. So there was all of this while we were doing this project, and I'm sure you felt it as well, Jeff, but you're just thinking, well, what's, what's going to be the version of this in sort of 30 years' time? Because, you know, social media is very ephemeral, isn't it? I'm, I'm sure if you've ever tried to scroll down to a year before... You know, and it just takes forever, you know, but that family album idea or just the kind of, you know, a folder of photographs is just so, such a lovely tactile thing to handle and to sort through. Um, and it's, I don't know, I guess there are some people that are trying to preserve that, but it, it used to be such a common thing, you know, and you'd write the date on the back and the name of the person. And that's just such a precious thing from a kind of historical perspective and from a social history perspective. 
I'm sure, you know, I'm sure there will be a new form of it. But at the minute, it's it's just, yeah, I'm just, that was one thing that played on my mind a lot when we were doing this current project, you know. I mean, the photographs themselves had aged so nicely, you know, they were just lovely objects, you know, these kind of gone a bit yellowed, but they still shone a bit as well. I just thought, oh, wow, you know, that's, you know, it's a priceless thing, but perhaps it's, its moment has passed and new things will replace it, I guess. What do you think about the, the whole digital terrain? Yeah, I mean, that's such an interesting um, way of putting it, I think. And I fully agree with you, too. I mean, it's such a delight to, you know, because some people have got these collections that will go back to, you know, the century or more. And uh, they are these incredible artefacts. And um, it's a real honour and pleasure to, to touch them. But in terms of the, I think one of the kind of, the ironies, I suppose, of projects like Living Memory Project, where we have been digitising an awful lot of photographs to go in the archives and obviously to be shared and go on the website is is a good chance a lot of the photographs we've digitised will actually outlast the digital versions because of the way technology is forever changing. I mean, if you remember the days of CDs, I know some, some people still use CDs, but using CDs for archive purposes, actually from 10 to 15 years ago, a lot of them will have degraded. Um, so people who use CDs for backing stuff up or digitising stuff and that's a very short time period we're talking about so all the digital stuff we're doing there is a big question mark over how much will still be around in you know maybe 50 years time and how much will have got lost in this kind of race to digitise our collection so I think part of the emphasis has still got to be on the preservation and the, and the kind of treasuring of these artefacts not by putting them all in a big public resource, but in within families as well. And I think another instigator um, or one of the motivating factors of setting the project up were the stories we heard of people who just, you know, when when people pass on and house clearances take place, often just the photographs just go with them as well because, you know, yeah. it's, it's painful stuff sometimes and people just thought, oh, just get rid of it all. And a lot of stuff gets lost. So it's about raising awareness of the importance of keeping these collections, not just for for um, the individual, but for the community as well and for our culture. I think it's been... But these are heirlooms which have a resonance, not just with the people who are in them and their stories, which is obviously key, but also, you know, these become much of greater significance and importance to, you know, out the story of us... In, in a writ large, basically. So not just our community, but yes, our community, but, you know, the country as well, you know, Britain at large, so to speak, in terms of just tracking the changes that's taken place um, since people started taking photographs and documenting their lives, essentially. Yes, and, well, and that is the, the classic thing, isn't it? We're now documenting our lives more than ever, aren't we? But But how will that be illustrated? Well, how would that be preserved or, <laughs> yeah. or you know, somehow categorised as mm. well? It's it, yeah. yeah, I mean, that was quite interesting when we did um, our film about hop picking stories from the hop yards, which was, again, inspired by Derek Evans's wonderful collection of photographs taken in the hop fields around Herefordshire. I mean, absolutely gorgeous photographs that he took. But alongside that, we also had lots of people sending in their family and personal photographs of times in the hop fields. And they were just such a wonderful collection of photographs. And they just juxtaposed so beautifully next to Derek's more sort of, you know, 
photographic images just of these families, didn't they? Oh, we had to, we yeah. had to present them, Jeff. They're just so beautiful. You know, we yeah. we did um we didn't use the actual photographs. They're so precious, you know. But we did kind of facsimile prints of them, and just use a whole wall of the gallery and just had these beautiful prints just dotted about on this single wall. And, you know, just in, in sort of 30 or 40 years, you've got, you know, got Kodachrome, you've got these tiny little kind of passport photos. You know, that just in a few years, you've just got a whole kind of different collage of, of technical, you know, versions of, of, you know, domestic photography as well. But uh, And the colours and, and just the faces. And oh, it's just, it's lovely. It's a little time machine that you can just step into and... I just, that was one of my favourite parts of the exhibition. Once it was all put up, it was just like, whoa, yeah, this is lovely. <laughs> <laughs> so when we showed that film um, in the black country and we, we asked people to bring any photographs they had of hot picking there, because, of course, it's a, it was yeah. a big thing in the black country and people still remember it well, as you, as you know, because you spoke to some of the people who, you know, uh, who either did it or the family were particularly involved in it. And that was fantastic. Again, it was just another, as you say, these, these people bring these photographs that are windows on another world, but people strongly connect to them as well, you know, either they're in them or they, they just treasure, treasure and cherish them, and it's such a great thing. fantastic photographs of the Mayfair and we thought it was quite important to try and document get some interviews with some of the show people because you know there's some people in the county you're a little bit sniffy about you know the Mayfair or because you know it disrupts the, the whole town for three days and things but it was very difficult trying to get the show people on camera you know to talk you know because they're when they're in town they're incredibly busy and they're trying to make money etc etc so what we did was we there was this a deserted shop and we set up a TV a huge TV screen and we had a, a loop of these old photographs um, and we we stuck some of the images in in the in the window as uh, you know and um, and we just let it play throughout really and um, we just thought it might be interesting you know but lo and behold you know whenever there was a quiet time some of the show people drifted in and they 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 brought other people that they knew and said so look at this this is manan here you know do you remember when she had that you know and after that that you know we managed to secure these interviews which at the time i didn't realize just how difficult it, it had previously been to get some show people on on camera and to share their stories but again it's just a, another illustration of of just a, a of a kind of a way in, but just also building up a rapport and, and getting a sort of trust that that you that you're that you're not going to do anything stupid or or odd with the the interviews or the imagery. You know that you've got a respect for that culture. I think they sort of realised that we were kind of genuine. I think it was about the third year we'd been to the Mayfair as well, and they thought, okay, these guys aren't going away. You know, so it's I think it's just you know for people listening to this that might be interested in doing it. It's it's a thing about patience isn't it it's a thing about you know if you're looking at the photographs and you know a bit about the subject and people will kind of see that you've got a kind of respect and they'll I think they'll appreciate that and then it's more likely to to create a rapport with you in any sort of work that you might do and I think that's incredibly important that at the heart of it is people and these kind of communities isn't it and um, 
we're trying to we're trying to somehow you know store that and sort of get people to recognize that you know it's and it that that was that was a nice outcome you know we didn't expect the show people to come forward it was just it was something we were trying to do as part of the project but it was yeah these unexpected outcomes sometimes are really a lovely thing aren't they really you know and it does take time to build up that trust as you say doesn't it it takes time for people to understand that you're doing it because you have a passion for it and you love it and in a sense you're being of service you're providing the service which is so with the living memory project it's it's for the people it's not for me i get you know um a huge amount of pleasure so obviously i'm invested in it but at the same time it's because it is an act of service for people and once people get that and i think people have an instinct for that as well they kind of know when something's authentic or not when you have those interactions and it might take a little bit of time to overcome some of those barriers and a few conversations but once you're there then basically you can kind of ask anything and they will answer you essentially because people implicitly trust you and then of course that's not the end of the process is it because you can continue those conversations on with people and you kind of develop a uh, rapport with them which goes on for years after the event in a sense it's uh, not that you become friends you can't become friends with everybody but you just have this you know communality i suppose with the with your with people because you've kind of talked on a level which is below the surface of just superficiality of life yeah definitely mm. definitely mm. so what's our kind of take home points from all this what what do we need to do i mean should everybody digitise their whole family collection and lodge them with archives? The archives would have be overflowing, wouldn't they? What's, I don't know, what, what, what do you think the answer is? I mean, I guess, you know, when we were doing this Derek Evans project, we knew there was this massive, beautiful archive of photographs that were being beautifully kept in archive conditions in a fantastic new building, but they weren't being seen. And then so they're the people that, would then have the memories associated with those photographs would then begin to leave this world and then we would so that there was a real impetus there to say look well, these photographs need to be seen and we need to collect the stories associated with them even if we don't find everyone in the photographs but we know that everyone will have associated memories with them and I guess you're doing the same thing with the family albums aren't you by making sure that those memories are recorded so what's the what's the answer really i think one of the key things is that you know that family collection of photographs is an archive and it is it's a valuable part of that family's history and to pass it on because it might not be you know there might be a grieving uh husband or wife when someone passes away and, and it, but to pass it on maybe to the family there may be someone in that family that's got that archival kind of instinct and they might be able to hold on to it so I would just say my take home comment would be don't bin it don't shove it in the skip just just see if there's someone there because it is a valuable thing isn't it really mm. yeah and I can't say any better than that I think you you've put it perfectly I think it's a really important um really important takeaway and I think really it's also about these kind of projects that we do um are in sen in a sense the outcome so yes of course it's it is about you know putting the spotlight on things need to be treasured some things do need to be better taken care of um but it's about that process of of people 
bearing witness to other people's stories and if we use in photographs as the kind of the, the start of that and the center of that then that's fantastic and then using that to bring other people together to talk about you know what's in those stories and you know what does that say about who we are now which is forever going to be changing i think and that's why these projects will never run out of steam i don't think because we just have to keep on keeping on because they have such a positive impact and on so many levels i mean the positive impact i mean i am amazed by the impact that our gathering of stories and the sharing of stories really has had on our participants particularly some of them you know the it's it wouldn't be too far to say it's kind of changed their life in the sense that it's just given them such a meaning and purpose that their story has been shared in this way and it's been reproduced in this way and everyone needs to have their stories well not everybody but I think there is a need for people's stories to be shared and for other people who are not in the stories to to know about them and to identify them and I think this goes back to that point I said earlier on about the you know, it goes a bit deeper. I mean, the thing about social media, it's great in so many ways and we, you can use yeah. it in so many ways. Yeah. Not throwing it all out, but at the same time, it can, has a tendency, it does have a tendency to trivialise and, and spectacularise experience. Whereas what we're doing, I think, with the projects that we, we make is that actually you go much deeper than that about, you know, questions of, you know, what is our community? What is What needs to be remembered? You know, what, what is what is of value and who are we now i think and i think that, that that's for me the real key uh, long-winded way of explaining it, i suppose a takeaway <laughs> from that is these projects just need to be um need to keep on going i think yeah so thanks jeff for joining us i mean i think it's been really interesting talking about the two facets of photography, both the most, the more formal and then the personal stuff. It's very intriguing and interesting. And I guess, yeah, make sure that I think I'm going to go and print some photographs and make up an album. <laughs> and don't forget to check out our other podcasts about DIY oral history. So if you've been inspired by this, you could get some family photographs out and start to record some of your own stories. And a big thank you to the National Lottery Heritage Fund for their support in making this podcast. Mm -hmm.